Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest back on our couch. She's saying the first time. I don't know what she's going to do the second time. She's going to sing. You think so? <laughs> sure, why not? I don't know. Are you going <laughs> to sing this time again? Is that what's I'm going to sing for the whole time this time. The entire time. She's going to speak in songs. So now this has turned into a fucking musical, is what we're saying. <laughs> why not? It's That's Friday. It depends it's on the fun. musical. What I've always wanted my life to be. Really? Yeah. If it's a rock opera, then fine if it's like Tommy or if it's like Jesus Christ Superstar I'm down with it if you're gonna start doing like Les Mis and shit like that I'm out you I'm mean out. like not Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons mm, I can take that well, that's oh, fun I can, take that. I can take that I think that's a good compromise you think so I do mm. you guys are weird anyway <laughs> I don't know I don't know if that's a good compromise between Les Mis and Jesus Christ Superstar you come up with that in the middle that's not middle what do I know Nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Spamalot the Musical? Uh, Monty Python? I, I, I dig Monty Python. Albatross. Fucking Albatross. Is my lack of <laughs> musical knowledge showing as I'm just sitting here listening to these bit, two crazy people? A little bit. Well, hey, everyone. It's Amanda. We have Jamie back on the couch, who is a registered kinesiologist, also known as the Movement Maven. And she wanted to come back in because now she's a podcast expert and has been on three Read podcasts. Podcast expert. Tell me about your podcast experting. I've been on five other podcasts now. So um, kind of a big deal, not a big deal. I mainly just make people on the internet be my friend and then talk to them every day. So, uh, so you <laughs> they're just like, I kind of know you now. So like, it makes sense for you to be on my podcast. I was like, okay, awesome. I totally didn't do this on purpose. What a surprise. So you bullied your way onto someone's podcast. So what you did? That's what I did with you. I met you one time and then I was like, can I be on your podcast? I think it'll be good. We've talked about you actually before about how yeah, if you want something to happen, just you just happen. you just make it happen. Just and I had a story that was very similar similar where uh, a new person started working at this company that I was working for. And I don't know, I just got a good energy offer, a good vibe. And I was like, I want to be friends with her. So I invited her to lunch. She shot me down. I invited her for coffee. She shot me. I just kept trying. And she basically flat out said to me, like, I don't have time for my own friends. I'm not looking to make friends at work. And I'm like, cool, let's go get pizza. And I literally forced myself into her life. And a few years later, when she got engaged, she asked me to be her bridesmaid. I'm like, oh, don't want any more friends, do you? <laughs> <laughs> proved you wrong just because it was a point to make now you bullied your way into that eh? oh no God. so i mean i i respect that when you want something to happen you made it happen like your first meeting with mark was hey i'm a kin you're a kin let's hang out and but not happened. even just let's hang out you weren't lazy about it either i'm like sure you want to come hang out come hang out in my fucking office you come to me kind of thing none of this oh let's meet for coffee somewhere i'm like if you want to come hang out with me or you want to hang out with somebody else you make it fucking convenient for that other person yeah she made it happen which I make makes it happen. sense and it, it makes sense it's not bullying it's being a strong independent woman exactly. so exactly <laughs> yes jamie she gets it yes yep. yes i agree <laughs> good call thank you nice so today i want once again, Jamie didn't bully herself because she's not a bully. She was assertive and said, I have more to say. And through COVID, she, you know, found ways to shift her practice and pivot her entire her entire uh, career direction and she's doing fantastically and it's actually working out even better for her. So she wanted to talk about different things that she has done and where where she's at in her kinesiology career and how she thinks that clinics could do a better job if they would structure their business model, maybe, you know, maybe take some pointers from her. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Okay. Now I, now I really want to know what you're talking about. Yeah. We were talking when you weren't here. So okay. it's nice. Um, it's nice when Amanda has that like you know, has, has the ability to shorten everything that I say because I need that. I need that to like <laughs> summary. I was like, I just talk. Can someone tell me what I'm saying? That's really helpful. 
Um, but yeah, it's been interesting, especially during um, even before COVID times, I've been thinking about how we can leverage our skill set to be used with patients online, especially because there's so many people that are suffering from different medical conditions, different pain and scared to move at all. And I've mentioned this before and it doesn't need to be as hard and they don't have to get to a point of severity where they're like desperate to start helping themselves. And that's where I think the online piece can work to a lot of people's favor because they don't have to come into somewhere. They don't have to go out of their comfort zone, but they can still connect with someone that cares. Ideally, I do. I can't speak for everybody um, that truly wants to make an impact and improve their quality of life, not just get them recovered from to normal or less than acute. Well, before we actually dive into this further and make people understand what you're talking about and how they can implement these things into their own practice, for anyone who didn't hear you on our episode before, and I don't remember when it was, it's been a while, um, can you give a little background about yourself, how long you've been practicing as a kin and what your practice looked like pre-COVID, and then we start talking about what shifts and, and changes you made. And I want to hear about the piece, the what you, what you think clinics aren't doing well or how they're not using kids. Oh, we're, and, oh, we're getting there. Yeah. Oh, we'll get okay. into it. I'm I'm, I'm very subtle, as you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, my background is I've been a kinesiologist for seven to eight years. Um, who knows? It feels like it's been two years in the last like three months. Um, but I've been a kinesiologist for that long. And pre-COVID, um, I was working in a bunch of different environments. Um, I'm, most of my experience has been in an orthopedic physiotherapy clinic. Um, and since then, I have been self-employed for the last year and a half, uh, building my business, working with patients, working with different types of people, some people looking for personal training, others looking for physiotherapy, everybody ending up with me. So I like to call myself the last resort um, to pain relief because usually people come to me when they've tried everything else and they're like, there has to be a better way. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs> Let's find that better way for you. Um, and it really just comes down to listening to their story. So a lot of how um, it's worked even through COVID times and most of my patients right now are online clients where I'm literally going through um, exercises with them over video and giving them actual like implement implementation plans that they can use to transform their week, make it actually accessible for them to start moving in ways that are safe for them now, um, instead of worrying about fear or overdoing it or whatever it is, whatever their goals are, really adapting to what they need and how to make it accessible for them. I ask you a question that I think a lot of people who are shying away from the virtual therapy or telehealth or anything... How do you find doing a virtual assessment? What barriers were there or did you, do you feel it's just as easy as in person? I honestly feel like it's easier in some ways, harder in others. Like you can't palpate, but I didn't do a ton of palpations in uh, my in-person assessments anyways to begin with. And it really just comes down to movement. And I find that a people's story tells you... 90% of the information you need. And that is very much a percentage I made up. So don't look that up. <laughs> if you do and you find an accurate one, please tell me. I'd love to hear it. But at the same time, too, hearing where someone's story is, how they got to their injury or how they hurt themselves, but also how they've been moving. And then also being able to hear what they can do, hear what they can't do, hear what they're struggling with. And also, more, most importantly, their readiness to change. I think that 
what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense because I think that, it, I mean, with massage therapists, kinesiologists, anyone, the most important piece is listening. What is your client telling you? What, you know, there's so much information that can happen if you know what questions to ask. So some mm-hmm. key points that you already brought up is what, you know, how did you injure yourself? That's really important. Knowing exactly what you they were doing and how they, you know, if it was a fall, how they fell and uh, what they can't do, what limitations exist. Do you do... Aside from, you know, actually speaking to them and hearing the whole story, do you actually have like a video chat set up and you watch them move? And like, how does that work? 100%. So a lot of the time, all of the time, I get a virtual assessment. So I use JNAP for a lot of my video calls, mainly because it's like compliant with all the regulations. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. And I literally take them through a full physical assessment based on what they can and can't do. So if they have an injury, they have pain doing something, they've already told me, okay, I have pain walking up and down the stairs. Okay, at what severity? If it's like I can't walk up the stairs at all, then I don't even do that assessment. I look at different things. Mm -hmm. I look at whether they can do a single leg raise, get up and down from the floor. It's more about clearing them for exercises and also clearing them for movements because that's what we're training. We're training movements, not specific muscle groups. We're not training specific injuries. And most of the time, the people that I get to see, they have chronic illnesses and that's the majority of the reason for their pain, that their body feels different every day because they just never know what they're going to face that day. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy at that point to slowly integrate safe movements because they can already do a piece of their day. So getting up and down from a chair if they have a chair, getting up and down from the floor, even just doing something as simple as a clamshell and like getting their subjective um, feelings on it instead of being able to measure the exact angle. Because like, what does that matter anyways if they can't activate their glute and can't feel anything? Like it really gives you a whole picture of what's going on and even being able to see. I was surprised how much I was able to see in terms of lunges from different directions, whether they were face on or to the side. I was able to see like just as much information. And especially with my experience working with people in person and being able to spot those movement dysfunctions, it became a lot easier to spot them over webcam, especially if they have a clear connection. This is not really kin related, but now that you are doing these things virtually, so you're inside people's homes, have you seen any really funny stuff? You know, like like their pets photobombing or like their partner walking behind them in their underwear because they don't know that the session's happening? <laughs> um, not the latter, but I've seen so many cats. And the funniest thing is that the cats... cats don't have no fucking boundaries. Okay. Cats just... <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. They just like jump like all the the screen will just go black and i'm like what happened and i just so we watch their human like pull the cat off the off their keyboard or off their computer (laughs) and they're like sorry the cat tried to attack you i'm like i'm not there so that's okay but (laughs) it's just really funny because there's just cats around all the time and it's not something like even when you work i work with a lot of people in their homes as well and like the cats are around but you don't really think about it but it's kind of like a movie where you're not expecting something to happen. And you're just like, and but then you get used to it. So you're waiting for a cat to come in the room and you're just like, oh, 
they're here and just like watching them like try to get like their like person's attention and like all this stuff it's just it's really funny to me and like certain like some people have been like just send me pictures of cats now because or funny or cute (laughs) animals because i just like freak out so much i love adorable things but like who doesn't so virtual therapy would be perfect for you mark he's horribly allergic to cats so when he ever he does in person or like in-home training or coaching or anything uh we do we have gone to people's home clinics to do uh, private training for some of our courses. And I often forget to ask them, do you have pets? Because his allergies are brutal. So we'll walk into somebody's house and his face just explodes. (laughs) So I think virtual training might be the way to go for you, Mark. (laughs) The cats don't agree. And everyone has fucking cats. Yeah, seriously. I'm noticing everybody has cats. Like, are we the only people in the world that don't have cats? Yes. Well, you can't because... His face blows up. His face would explode. Even, oh, if, even if it didn't explode, I don't think I care about cats. We're yeah, we're not cat people. I guess I can. I guess I can somewhat understand the appeal. I also all the cat people listening are going to kill me right now. <laughs> I I find cats to be a little evil. I don't. I I, can't, I understand where you're coming they're from. They're a little malicious. Those little guys. I don't know. I don't know uh, if I yeah. fully trust them. <laughs> that's fair. I feel like like I have the type of personality that's like comforting regardless. So like with cats, I find that like we're both just chilling. Uh, with dogs, I find it really depends. Sometimes their energy is just like out of control, and like I'm not there yet, and I'm like, cool. I'm gonna chill for a bit and come <laughs> back at a time where I can handle this. But cats are usually like fairly chill, so I'm like, we can be friends. But I don't know about like taking care of a pet in itself because I'm just like, I have a hard enough time taking care of myself. So it's okay. Oh, you don't have any pets. No. You, funny. You totally struck me as an animal person. That's I don't okay. Know why. Because I, I am the pet. So you're like, yeah, <laughs> I like pet my, like I get my boyfriend to pet my head all the time. It's great. He's usually confused. Mark sometimes uh, pets me and I have to remind him I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a dog. He like, he literally scratches under my chin. <laughs> It's a weird conversation. It is a weird conversation. Sorry. (laughs) I just, I had to know because I feel like that would be such, that would, I would laugh hysterically in a movie or a sitcom with that happening. You know, now that the entire world is virtual, I can imagine people have seen things they probably weren't meant to see. So for example, yesterday was Mark's birthday and our daughter, who's only six, recently, um, there's an app where kids can video chat with each other. So it's controlled by the parents, but it's, you know, you're, you're, six-year-old can video chat with their six-year-old friends. So she's got a few friends connected on this app and she asked my permission to take her dad's iPad and call one of her friends. And I said, sure, no problem. Mark had just gotten out of the shower because we were getting ready to go for dinner and she comes running in with the iPad. My friend wants to say happy birthday to you. I'm like, daddy's naked. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I haven't. Like most people are generally prepared if like I'm seeing them. Um, but like, yeah, there's lots of like, there's people walking in the background. And I think that that's kind of part of like the limitation with virtual care is that it doesn't, even though you're at home, it's not as like intimate or private as like being on your own. And, you know, that's where like the conversations between like a behind like consent and, uh, compliance and like understanding and, like have to happen like every time and also like right at the beginning it's like these are the expectations like I'm gonna be like talking like just so you know like you always have an option whether or not you answer my questions if you're there's gonna be people around letting me know beforehand if there's anything you're uncomfortable with us talking about or being really um open and honest with me about how you're feeling about things and I think that that's really important especially in an industry where you're a clinician but you're also um 
doing continuing care frequently with people is continually reminding them and giving them the option that they have control of the narrative and that you're just you're there to be able to assist them any way that you can. Right. So I think that that's really been helpful for a lot of the people I've worked with just throughout my career because it's been really important for me to treat everyone with the same amount of respect and treat them with the respect that I wished I would have gotten in different therapies or treatments or um, just different areas of life. What so, do you mean wished you would have gotten? Have you had really negative encounters with, with clinicians and clinics where you feel like they're not compliant or they're not not following standards or not ethical? Yeah. Not quite with... I've heard stories. Like I've heard horror stories and usually by the time that I, I see a client, they've already... or a patient, they've already had several negative encounters with other practitioners where... Yeah. They weren't treated well. They weren't treated with respect or their feelings weren't heard or they just really worked on the area of concern, but they still don't really understand what's going on and keep getting hurt. Or they go in the opposite end to the fitness industry and they feel those like negative pressures and maybe body shaming in some way or something where they just don't deserve to be there. And that bothers me a lot. And it's been a theme throughout my whole career to really make sure that people feel respected and worthy of being there and that they have value to get not only get better, but improve their quality of life, improve their performance on their terms, not just based on um, what society tells them or what people in their life are telling them they should be, that they have a choice to decide for themselves what they want. And just because they don't know yet, that's okay. We can work on it together. So that's what it's really been, especially when you're teaching exercise when people you say the word exercise and like I literally watch people retreat inside themselves. They're just like, I don't want to. I don't see myself as an exercise person. Yeah. And like you go to a doctor and they're just like diet and exercise. You're overweight. And that's all the information you get. And yeah. it's not enough. And it's not enough to say like, how much do I have to change my life right now? And it kind of feels like people are saying you have to be a different person in order to be healthy. Yeah. And, you know, this is actually really speaking to me right now because I got a referral uh, a few weeks ago and it's taken weeks for this woman to contact me because she's had such negative experiences with every healthcare practitioner she's gone to. So I'll give you a brief backstory. Uh, she's had two, I, th- I want to say two knee replacements and a hip replacement. It might be two hip and one knee. Either way, she's had a lot of things replaced and she lives in pain almost all the time. So lately, when I say lately, within the last year, two years, um, her back pain's gotten to the point where she can't even go for a walk around the block. You know, her and her husband try to go for a walk after dinner and she She's just in so much pain. She's got to turn back and go home. So when she contacted me, the first part of the conversation, she just kept talking about her weight, her weight, her weight. I need, I know I need to lose weight. I know it's because of my weight. I know my weight. And I just stopped her for a second. I said, okay, we haven't even talked about your pain. Like, I don't, I don't even know where you're in pain. Like, I know nothing. You just keep talking about your weight. And she said, basically told me that everywhere she's gone, nobody's even listening to her. It's everybody just says, well, it's because you're overweight. They don't direct her how to lose weight. It's just you're overweight. And she says, I'm trying, Amanda, I'm trying to lose weight, but I don't know how because everything hurts. She goes, I try to get on my, she has a, like, I guess a recumbent bike at home. She says, I try to get on the bike. It doesn't feel right. It's uncomfortable. I can't do it. I try to go for a walk. I'm in pain. I can't do it. And hearing that story just broke my heart because exactly it was like this woman is trying, you know, she wants to get better. She wants to, I, I can tell she wants to lose weight. And I said, okay, can we 
can we ignore your weight for a second? You, let's let's not talk about that because the more you keep focusing on I need to lose weight, you're trying to do exercises that don't make any sense for you. You're hurting yourself because your your doctor, your physiotherapist, or does she not understand that exercise sometimes is not comfortable, and maybe she's confusing the idea of the discomfort of exercise. Well, I think this is Jamie's this is point: is that you're not given the direction. Sometimes you're just told go lose weight, go exercise, and that's the thing with like kinesiologists can work with yellow flag symptoms. They can work with higher con- like higher risk and higher concerning people. Mm-hmm. that have a lot going on that it might not be clear how they need to lose weight. And we all know nutrition and exercise. Yeah. But where do you start? How do you make sure you're not getting stuck in the loop of pushing yourself too hard, getting into the mindset of, oh, I need to make up for lost time. So I have to push myself extra hard and keep going. And if I stop, I'm going to fall off and lose this forever. And then it's a continuing cycle of being in pain, thinking that you're going to make progress by killing yourself to exercise, and then feeling discouraged and then always feeling bad about yourself. When there's so many other things that you can do to get pain relief so much sooner then it takes for you to lose weight. Well, and this was my point to her is let's try to deal with your pain so that you can go for a walk with your husband. Like if she can go for a walk, that's going to be a lot more helpful in her weight loss journey. If she can't even walk for five minutes, I'm not starting her by saying, okay, let's start with the weight loss thing. Let's figure out your pain. And that's the thing is that it at a certain point, the actual number doesn't hold any value. No. It doesn't. And it holds so much emotional value. And a lot of the people I work with are really people that- What do you mean the the number doesn't hold value? Like the exact number, like say you're like 200 pounds, like 200 pounds, yeah, like technically according to BMI, like you're considered obese. But what does that number mean? Does that guarantee you're going to have certain like illnesses? Does that guarantee that you're going to have certain areas of pain? No, but but having a certain amount of body fat in comparison to fat-free weight or lean weight. Yes. And that's the point is that it's what the composition is. And whether or not you're doing things actively in your day, in your life, to make yourself healthier. And some people see their weight and they're like, well, there's no hope for me now because this is my number. And I just don't want to have to get into the range that's considered healthy. But there's so many studies that show that even just getting active at all and even moving the dial a little reduces your risk of um, contraindications or um, illnesses exponentially, like 5% of weight loss is associated with like significant reduction in um, illnesses like diabetes, heart disease, stroke, stuff like that. And it's really a matter of people deserve to be able to feel good and exercise in a way that suits their life and progress in a way that is really um, catered towards them. And there's a lot of people that are discouraged by weight loss being the only metric for success that they don't even put themselves in a position to try and they lose trust in other people that tell them that that's the only way because they know at that point doesn't work for them. And that's why I get so like worked up about this topic because I've worked with so many people and I've been that person as well and continue to be that person where you're influenced by the people around you and what you think you should be based on what you see. And from the small things you're told. But really, it there's I've seen so much success with people without their weight changing at all. 
It's about what their composition is. It's about how much weight they can lift. It's about being able to do activities without pain. And at that point, once they can function, they can feel like they can do more things. So these are still about numbers. They're just about different numbers. It's not about your total weight. It's about your fat-free weight. It's about your lean mass. It's about your uh, cholesterol count. It's about So it's still about numbers, not just all necessarily about feeling like you feel better. Do you know what I mean? Or you feel like you can move easier or you feel healthy. Objective numbers make a difference. Yeah, but, but I also I, don't want to. I also don't want to lose the idea, especially with body shaming or the anti-body shaming movement and everything else. Like numbers still fucking matter. I'm sorry if you're fucking 400 pounds and the major and you and you and you have like freaking 50, 60 percent body fat or whatever fucking body fat percentage you got. That fucking matters. And when the doctor's like, you need to lose weight. Like he's not fucking lying. He's not trying to no, be mean. Nobody thinks the doctor's wrong. It's these. It's being told that and not give it, being given any direction. So that's where kinesiologists and movement specialists come into play because it's let's figure out how we can get you moving pain-free because as you start to feel better, as you start to gain confidence and realize, oh, I am strong, I can do this, then you're going to be motivated to do more. So that's the whole point is this woman that called me has been on this journey of trying to lose weight for, what, two, three years and hasn't done anything because she doesn't know what to do and she goes out and so tries what something has she and been she's trying, in pain. Just out of curiosity. Well, I haven't actually met with her yet. My appointment with her is next what week. Do you, what do you think she's been trying or what, she, what has she hinted at that she's been trying? The only thing we've talked like, about... Like, what did you walk away with thinking or did you not? I mean, like, I would rather talk to her in person, but the only thing that we spoke about over the phone was the fact that she just wants to be able to go for walks with her family. Okay. And walking has been so painful for her, like back pain. And as I said, I know all I know is that she's had knee replacements and hip replacements. And now when she tries to walk, she's getting severe back pain. And when she's gone to different, um, I don't know who she's seen, but she said she's been to different, um, like a physiotherapist, I guess a doctor. And the takeaway seems to always be you need to lose weight. And they're probably right. They, it probably is their, her weight as yeah. part of it. But she's been given no direction and any help on how to get there and how to be able to move pain free. And typically the the direction is tolerance. It's working with what you can do. And when people feel like they're are so focused on what they can't do, they're not motivated and they're even scared to do things that they can do in the fear that they're going to lose that too. And that's a lot of the common themes that I see is that it's not about necessarily whether the focus is correct or not. Because at a certain point, like, yeah, weight does matter in the grand scheme of things. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm saying that a lot of other things matter more. And there's a lot of things you can do to start to get you at least feeling good about yourself to feel like you can sustain and maintain healthy habits. And everything that I've been learning about like chronic illness and pain and exercise and like behavior, because that's something I think I talked about last time is that. A lot of what I'm aiming to learn about right now is what really affects people, what actually gets people to change their behaviors. And a lot of it is incremental change, being feeling like they can actually achieve a goal, um, even if it's not like the big goal. Thinking about losing 100 pounds is overwhelming um, or it can be. I can't make that definitive statement. I haven't had to do that. But at the same time, it can be. But creating smaller goals that are not just based on the weight because there's a lot of ways to lose weight and there's a lot of ways that are unhealthy that still put you at a compromised position that 
can hurt you in other ways. So I think that that's where like it's not it's not denying that these things are issues and that it's not an, an epidemic in itself, but it's actually being able to identify where are people not being served? How are people not getting the help they need to actually change their mindset and change their approach to their own health? And it really starts with being able to actually feel heard instead of just being told the same thing over and over again. And also knowing where to turn to ask questions. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're going to see the wrong fucking people if you just don't want to be told certain things. That's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Your doctor doesn't give a shit anymore about anything other than I don't want you to fucking die. And in order for you to not die, you need to lose fucking weight, right? And that's all the doctor's going to say. And the doctor's going to say, go find a fucking way to lose weight because that's not my concern at this point. My concern is to tell you what you need to do to stay alive. And mm -hmm. that's lose weight. So it's 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 about, I think, a lot of people looking for the answers in the wrong fucking places. Enter the movement maven. Hi there. <laughs> you might recognize me from the internet. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing is that that's really what my main goal is. It's not fighting people that it's not a problem. That's not the point. It's about creating solutions for people. Um, and I, I hear this all the time. It's not me versus you. It's me and you versus the problem. And a lot of the time people have this problem that they feel like they just are alone in handling. And by not being able to make ourselves accessible enough to people, that's where people don't know where to turn. And that's why I think kinesiologists can really thrive in the online space because now we're creating options to get the right information into the right people's hands in a way that's actually digestible and able to implement. This is a perfect time to pivot to what Mark wanted to talk about. Now that you have been forced, even if that was the direction your career was going, you've been forced to move online and it's obviously going really well for you. You had mentioned to me off mic that you feel that clinics are not utilizing their kins. They're not leveraging them the way they could be and they're not getting the reach that they could be getting. Mm -hmm. So... Tell us about what do you this. Mean the, what, it, what do you mean the reach that they could be getting? I'm going to let Jamie talk about that. What What do you think clinics could do better with their kin? I think that clinics could be using kin as a leverage tool to be able to um, really expand um, the service provided to their patients and really be able to utilize the options and the versatility that kins can be. And definitely not saying that kins are tools. Well, we do all talk about having like the tools in our tool belt. And that's definitely a common thing that I say and that I know a lot of other kins do. But at the same time, too, there's a lot of ways that patients can stay in contact and feel monitored in a way that cares about their health and success in a clinic that's based on not only relieving their pain, but actually transforming their health or transforming their body. And a lot of the time, for example, in like a rehab clinic, you get people that have an area of pain, that area of pain is treated, but they also have other areas for like illness or disease or previous injuries or other areas of pain that aren't as severe. And by the time that they've had those um, issues resolved, they've run out of insurance money and then they're, they have to figure it out on their own. And kinesiologists have a really unique opportunity to assess people in a holistic way where not only can they assess the whole body and how it moves and how it functions overall in addition to the area of pain, um, but also being able to implement strategies to make it easier for them to recover, easier for them to move around their 
um, their homes if their injury is really severe and being able to make sure the areas that they need to support the rest of their body is strong so that when they go back to using that area, it they're not their compensation isn't a long time. So I think that that's where it's really important where we can actually intervene and actually be able to see more people and keep more people in the roster because we're actually able to help keep people healthy and improving their quality of life while also giving people an opportunity to identify when they need to get treatment sooner than they would have if they weren't in like severe pain. You don't need to be in severe pain to see a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or a kinesiologist or whatever, but usually people don't know the warning signs early enough to be able to get treatment so that the result isn't as severe. So you feel like moving things virtually is a if like a plus side for this then because people might be what quicker to reach out or you like how how does moving to online space solve some of these problems? So they're both two um like two sides of the same coin. So kins within a clinic can help with maintaining that um connection and that um care with their patients and also being able to have online support as an option. So if people just have to do exercise and they're done like their physio and their chiro for now, being able to connect with someone online, not have to take time out of their day to commute to see a kinesiologist for a half an hour of their day, or even just being able to consult with someone for that accountability piece to say, okay, like I haven't really exercised this week. Um, and they're, you know that their natural trend is to go try to make up for lost time, air quotes, by overexerting themselves at their next workout. How do you manage that um, stimulus and m- match it with their capacity? and actually get them on a program that gives them more success instead of continuing on the loop of trying and failing and not really knowing what they need to do and uh, being confused and then eventually falling off of exercise. And that's where I think the cyclical loop goes is that there's this like unspoken idea that if you're not performing at your max and you're not continually exercising at your max, then you failed in some way. And that's just not true. Yeah. So you feel like having the option to have like the virtual check-ins will keep people more accountable and they'll be it because they don't have to come into the clinic all the time. They can Mm -hmm. just come home from work, get on whatever Jane app or Zoom or whatever the heck your practitioner's using, (laughs) have a consult. Okay. Carry on with your life. I see that. The question Mark had asked, and I I don't know if you brought it up at all, was the greater reach. Maybe a lot of people, like Jamie had mentioned off mic, that there might be people in uh, areas where kinesiology is not really a thing. There's not a lot of kins available. And so now moving things virtual, she's got clients that she probably would have never had before because they're not going to be coming into like a downtown Toronto clinic, but she can now see them virtually. And you've got a whole bunch of new clients that you've never met before in person, right? Mm -hmm, Exactly. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. And especially because like in times like this where people are in pain and people are suffering, um, if they don't have an option to get help now, that's the biggest problem that we need to solve is how do we actually get accessible care into hands of people and have them realize that they can start now. Do people actually not have options now? It's. I think it's a lot of the time it's an oversaturation of options is really about figuring out 
who's the right person, okay. the right so fit about, for them. It's not about these things don't exist. Anymore. No, it's about the quality of information that people are getting and whether it's safe for them to do as well. Like there's so many apps right and right now that like can help you exercise and help you get fit or like rehab options. But if you don't know the person, you haven't been able to talk to that person before, you just kind of are just like throwing caution to the wind and just trying things to see if it works or not. And eventually people get tired of that too. So that human connection can kind of be something that actually saves a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of pain, because you actually can really hear where somebody's coming from and create personalized solutions for them and also continue to work with them with that. You know, the benefit I see in this whole thing is that people are not always willing to find the practitioner that's suitable to them. Like how many times have you had somebody come in and they'll tell you that, you know, they've had this pain for 20 years and you can't figure out like, why have you been dealing with this for 20 years? But if it means you having to go around to different different clinics and spend your insurance money and try out somebody and then, you, you know, you, you don't really like them. And then there's also, as you said, there's apps and things like that that people can do for exercise. But this is somewhere in the middle where you don't really have to, it, it's not as much work. There's no commuting. There's no actually going to a place and going through this whole formality. It's you have an appointment with somebody online and you either like them, you don't like them, you you know, you want to see the their treatment options or you don't. Mm -hmm. But it's also not just an app where you don't have a person because I know a lot of my clients at least, they they want somebody. They don't want like an automated well, service. I they mean, want a person. This is also another big issue associated with things like the majority of work that kinesiologists do is that you don't do anything, no offense to anyone, but I'm also in that mix. When it comes to things like movement and stuff, in other words, I can do this shit myself. It's not like you're going to see a massage therapist where you're going to do things to my body, manual therapy that I can't necessarily do to myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to go see a physio and they're going to do things that I just can't do. Movement shit, I can do for myself. Well, that's why this is like a great in-between piece because there are people like me, I will admit, I'm the type of person that has never actually hired a personal trainer. When I, I mean, yes, I used to be one, so I, I probably don't need one. But my personality, is I like to do things on my own. I, you know, I'm not super big into workout classes, for example. Mm -hmm. I like to go to the gym and do the workout that I'm feeling like doing that day, right? So I would be a person who might say like, okay, an app is cool for me. I don't know that I would necessarily, you know, go to a fitness studio and hire a trainer. Do I, I've done the group class thing. Mm -hmm. It's not really for me. But then I might also be the type of person that's like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. I can have like a virtual trainer who I work with for maybe half an hour, but then I essentially still get to do my programs on my own. You know what I mean? So exactly. I like this as, yeah, I opinion. like this as a middle, a middle piece because yeah, like Mark said, there's tons of people. Like I know, Mark, you would never hire a trainer. You no, just do your no. own thing. No, but I mean, again, right. it's, it's hard to Why use us as the examples because we used to be trainers. So that would be I weird. Probably, I probably <laughs> taught that trainer how to be a trainer. So. And also know, at the same time too, it really, it really comes down to like, it's not about saying that we're the only option, nor will I ever say that that's the, that's the thing. It's not about I'm the only option. It's I'm a huge it's I'm trying to say two things at once. I'm a huge advocate for partnerships. So I love working with massage therapists and like physiotherapists and mm -hmm. chiropractors because they do an essential service that you're right. We can't do on our own. But at the same time, being able to maintain the um, effects of that treatment is better received when you have the right tools right away. And yeah. I know even for myself, like I've tried every kind of exercise program under the sun and it, there's so much information that 
you don't know on whatever on any given day based on how you're feeling what the most appropriate um stimulus or exercise is for you necessarily and i'm guilty of that also sometimes you just get over ambitious you're like oh like based on my program i'm supposed to be doing deadlifts today but my hamstrings are still sore or my upper back just needs a little bit more work or like i feel tight and maybe i just need to slow down because i haven't really had like enough water today to like hydrate and stuff like that sorry i'm just gonna i'm gonna rock and roll off this a little bit and just say what i had in my mind i think this is a big problem why clinics and kins don't match clinics and kins don't work Clinics and kids do not work one fucking bit because I'm a physiotherapist. Guess what? I don't care what you do with the kinesiologist because one, there's an overlapping scope of practice. So I can do whatever the kid's going to fucking do, right? As a physiotherapist. And two, I'm choosing not to do this stuff from a money standpoint a lot of the time because it doesn't make sense for me to lock up myself with this one fucking person for so long and then not take on a billion other people at the same time. Cairo, the same way, blah, 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 AT, all the same stuff. So I, I, I'm just shooting the shit on this right now so i don't know if if clinic settings will work for kinesiologists the way you're describing it to be i think kids need to get off their ass and go fucking pave your own way and not be in someone else's space Mm -hmm. because what you're describing doesn't work for me if i if i own the clinic right why am i paying you to spend so much fucking time with one person or whatever the case is when they got their prime health care from their physio already from the car already from whatever the case is and then now i gotta shell up money for you to do stuff with them and i understand the whole piece and how can you see and i'm one of you guys so i get it how <laughs> how it's highly beneficial but at the end of the day you're also doing stuff with someone that they can currently do on their own or they can go look shit up on their own or they can just be directed in the right place so this so is you're actually agreeing with jamie and you don't even realize it because what she's saying is yes, she's instead saying, of having to spend all this time with somebody, you can give them something to do on their own yes, and you can do get, shorter check-ins and I, I you know, get it, take but, care of that person. But from a clinic standpoint, this doesn't work. This is great when you work for yourself and you're the prime health care provider and you're the kin. I'm the clinic owner. I'm not paying you for this shit because it doesn't affect the person coming in for physio. It doesn't affect the person coming in for Cairo, right? Do you see what I'm saying? It potentially changes the patient coming in to see me as the physiotherapist in terms of their frequency and treatment plan being possibly less, right? Are you seeing what I'm saying here? From a money standpoint, I'm talking about from a business, from a, from a, from a, I'm a physio that owns the clinic standpoint. I'm happy that you get better and I'm happy that, you know, you you can now go for your walks and don't feel any pain. I'm not as happy so much that you're seeing the kin virtually for half hour and you're not even seeing me as the physio anymore. I've lost you as a patient a little bit more. I don't think that's what she's saying either. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is that adding a kin to do like, so the physio can continue to see lots of people, yes. right? Pump out the people yes. and do the stuff they do. So yes. the Cairo can continue to see lots yes. of people and pump out the people. Yeah. Then these people also have the kin as part of their team okay. who's giving them all the stuff to do at home and whatever and okay. also doing some of the primary care okay. in the clinic. It's not just a virtual thing. Okay. But what she's saying is clinics can be using their kins to actually get more people, people who aren't going to come into the clinic. Then you can have the kin who can do some of this virtual stuff too. And so I don't think that it would be detrimental to the clinic. I don't think they would lose anything. If anything, I think it also builds good faith especially because Jamie's saying she wants to be the person I, that I told, isn't I, just doing acute I, care. I understand what you're saying. So it's, it's holding I, on to a patient I, for I, life. I understand what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. And there's a reason why people don't do it. Because it, it doesn't make fucking money. 
right? Healthcare is great and to look at it in this utopic standpoint of we're here to help people and, and all this rest of it and we want everyone to be, and this is where kins mostly are. They're in that mindset. But you know what? Your doctor doesn't fucking care. Your doctor cares more how many times you can swipe your fucking OHIP card at the end of the day. Your doctor cares more about you know uh, how many people he can get on this type of medication because he's getting kickbacks from it. The physio cares more about, honestly, how many times you're going to come in and are you going to adhere to the treatment plan of coming in four times a week for the next six weeks and can I get an extension on this treatment plan your chiro cares most about how many times we can put someone into the room you know what i mean so i i I get what you're saying i totally get it i totally get it and i think the only way to make it work is for kins to say i can be an extension of a clinic i can be a separate entity from a clinic i can do this type of work and it's best done outside of the clinic because the mentality and the business model as you said for that clinic the majority of these types of clinics i'm not talking wellness clinics i'm talking like rehabilitation clinics it doesn't match because yeah their mentality is acute care which is what you're trying to get away from exactly so i agree that it can be an extension i still i think it needs to be an extension don't see it as a detriment. I don't like again because people people buy an emotion. That's your favorite thing to yes, say. I get it. People want connection. So I think that <laughs> I having the kin who's going to be you know their lifelong cheerleader and helping them out mm-hmm. is going to keep a client. So this with- is this is why I'm not and I'm not trying to be argumentative, but I'm just being real about this. This is why that is such a weird fucking go. All right. So most of the people that are owning clinics or people that are working clinics, people that run clinics, you're relying predominantly on people's extended healthcare coverage. Okay. Kinesiologists. There's not enough extended healthcare companies, extended healthcare programs. But if they're working under the physiotherapist, it can still be billed as but that this as is, well. But this is the idea then. So now you're working under the physio. So Kins, you're in a le- you're in a weird fucking place. I'm not the physio. I don't want to work under the physio. I don't want to be told from the physio what to do. But you're billing it under the physio and therefore I have to do all these things. It's such a weird fucking thing. This is what I'm saying why it doesn't work in a clinic. But There's that's why relationships are really important because if you're assuming that the you're just a slave to the physiotherapist, that's not always the case and that's not my experience. Your experience as a kinesiologist, if it's different than what I'm suggesting, is probably more rare than common. And that's what I'm getting at, is that it shouldn't be as rare as it is. Okay, so then the question is how to make it not rare. Because it's not going to happen. Physios aren't suddenly one day going to say, you know what, kids? I'm no longer using as a PTA. I'm no longer using as the the ultrasound dummy. You're fully operational on your own. Go for (laughs) it. It's not going to fucking happen. And that's what I really like about your questions is that you you see it from the mindset of, of, of those those scenarios and it's the majority of the mindset out there it's how can i get people in and continue to need me and at the same time too that's where i talked about this last time where advocating for yourself as a kinesiologist becomes a valuable asset you have to that's it that's and that's all the thing is i'm not saying and i'm not saying that you know People, like clinics should just hire kins, hoping that it'll like improve the quality and then letting them on their own. It's more so about there's a lot of, especially Khan at Institute has amazing courses for kinesiologists that actually teach them how to um, further their skill set so that they can be more of a value and advocate for themselves as well. And they, they can have relationships with therapists and they can be in or out of, out of a clinic depending on the type of treatment that they provide. The scope of practices overlap so much that I feel like kids need to just grow up. 
<laughs> kids need to grow up. Kids need to stop being dependent on the idea of working in a clinic and working for somebody else because you can do almost all the same shit that a physiotherapist does and especially if you have the the manual skills to go along with it whether you're also a massage therapist or you're also an AT or you're also a, a, a manual osteopathic practitioner because then it all falls under your scope of practice you can still use all the same fucking modalities the only thing you can't really do is all the same stuff in terms of signing off and, and diagnosing and blah 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 that kind of shit right mm-hmm. but for the most part if what you're saying that people don't give a fuck about that stuff and people just want to get better and the kin is the better way to go, then the kins need to mark themselves differently. I've already seen the kinesiology groups where, what is what does a kin normally charge? Do you know how much kins make? Do you have any idea? Do you, do you, I actually don't. I'd be ask, ask Jamie, what do kins make <laughs> on the average? What do kins make? Yeah, what is an average? Right now, it's like anywhere from like even like 14 to like $18 it's an hour. It's fucking ridiculous. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, kins, you ridiculous. can't you can't live in that world of working for somebody else and, and, and get what you want. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. The college has been out for a long enough time. It's not going to happen. You need to grow up, put on your big boy and big girl pants and go make your your own fucking way. That's the only way you're going to. You make know why I think a lot of kins haven't done that. I see. I actually see a lot that are doing that. We've had kins on. We had John who from Connected Chain, yeah, right? He's yeah. doing his own thing. Yes. Like he's he's really pushing kinesiology. Yes. He's doing great, and that's what needs to. He's be He's doing fucking fabulous. I agree with Mark that kins are going to be much more successful on their own because yeah, I didn't realize fourteen to eighteen dollars an hour. You guys are being undervalued completely. That's ridiculous. Of course. Like your level of education trumps massage therapists like crazy. Even if you're making thirty fucking dollars. And I was going to say, and and you know, it's massage just, therapists are are definitely making more than fourteen to eighteen dollars an hour. However, I think a lot of kins are not doing it. And we talked about this on the last episode with Jamie. Is that public perception and the understanding isn't there, and that's where maybe there needs to be more advocacy for the profession in general and making people understand where you guys fit and what you can do and show the benefit of kinesiology because there's huge benefits because people automatically as marks they go to their doctor guess where they're being sent physio physio so that physio what, doesn't but, care about you as a kin they're misusing but exactly you. and that's you. why a lot of kins are going to work in physio clinics because they know that's where the patients are going and, and that's also why kinesiologists can relate so much to patients at the same time because We've all been those patients as well. And it's really fun being able to like hear the back and forth too, because it's filling in all the blanks of also what I've seen, what I believe as well is that no one's going to hand us anything. No. No, no. one. And that's never been my point at all. <laughs> but at the same time, it's super frustrating and it can be overwhelming and it can be super infuriating because we know the value and the benefit that it can help people. But we also understand that the business doesn't really coincide with that with a lot of different industries. And at the same time, too, that's why I've always been a big advocate for making sure that you're getting experience, quality experience and having mentors to be able to kind of guide you in a direction of what do I need to know and what am I going to do next? Because if you're working for a clinic forever and that's your choice, and you enjoy being there and you see the value and can, you can, the, the numbers work for you, great. But a lot of the time is we don't get educated on what those numbers are. How are we getting paid? What are we, what would we have to pay for otherwise to be a business owner? What would we have, we have to do for lead generation? What would we have to do to um, get our clients, work with our clients, manage our schedule, all that on our own? But also at the same time, it's really valuable to be able to get that experience within a clinic regardless because you get to see the holes. 
And that's where you find the inspiration for solutions. You don't just come out of school knowing where you're going to fit unless you've been to physio or been in that experience before. So I feel like there's a lot of innovation that needs to happen, but without understanding what the problems are and being in those environments. And I'm not saying that those are the that's the only way. It's a way of many. And if people choose to go in a million different directions, that's great because then there's a lot of different ways that we can find problems that need to be solved that our minds are adept, adept, inept. Words are hard today. <laughs> I'm inept. Cool. Um, what we're able to actually use our skill sets to create those solutions that people didn't think were, pos- were possible. And now we're in a position where we can and that we're standing up and actually saying, okay, I have more value now. And if you're not going to give me more value, I'm going to create it myself and you'll see the value or other people will. You've worked in rehab as a kin, right? Mm -hmm. And did you feel like the clinic utilized you or were you, as you like to say, the ultrasound dummy? Like what was what was your experience working as a kin in a clinic? I was lucky that I worked uh, the physiotherapist that I worked with. He was a friend. Yeah, he was a friend. But he was also sorry, dude. He was also a little lazy, which meant I did a lot of things that other colleagues of mine would not have done in a clinic. So you were given the freedom to be a practitioner. I was given the freedom to go for it, do whatever I fucking needed to do, right? Did they they pay you as a kin or were you getting paid more like a PTA? I got paid as a kin. Okay. But that's not. And that was you way think that back is when. not the experience. That is not no. the experience. And that doesn't luck- inspire you to change. I lo- I lucked out on that so much, right? What that is, what that makes me want to do is take all take all of us kins and put us all in one fucking room and say let's get our act together and let's not wait for someone else whether it is the Ontario Kinesiology Association or the Registered Kinesiology Associate what is it called the Registered Association of Kinesiologists of Ontario is that what it's called the I don't other fucking one fucking no I'm not there's another ACD, association EFG. yeah there's this, yeah. there's also the, the CKA the Canadian Kinesiology Alliance right? but but I'm mean, just talking about like Ontario right so to sit back and wait for an association to do that for you is a bad idea because you're just gonna be waiting for fucking ever. Association's got a whole bunch of other things going on. Yeah. And that's another conversation too. It's not about saying that like we should have these rights and therefore they should be given to us just because we have the experience and the education. It's the fact that right now the world has been functioning in a certain way that's worked to a certain extent, but they haven't wanted to rock the boat and there's more potential out there. And the way that a lot of kids that I've spoken to, um, their mindset is so much bigger in terms of the capacity of people and how they can help and being able to like sell people on that is a skill in itself and it's not just about pain relief it's about quality of life mm-hmm. it's and we know that in theory mm-hmm. but ha- being a clinic that is different from the mold right now is something that's a valuable asset because people want different now i get it i totally get it I totally get it. And I think we're saying the same thing in the sense of that we have to be the ones to create that change, whether it's in a clinic or on our own or on on the moon, wherever we go or underground in tunnels. Who knows? It doesn't matter. I hope it's on the moon. Me too. Well, I'm kind of scared of space, but that's a whole other story. But like we have to be able to at least, you know, figure out what we want to do. And there's a lot of kinesiologists out there that are starting to build their own businesses and build their own programs and build their own options for people that they see that there is a need for. I almost feel like kinesiologists need to take a a stab out of the fitness world. 
The fitness world functions very fucking well, is very fucking lucrative, and doesn't rely on medical models for them to work. No, absolutely. And I feel like that I've always said there, well, always as in like the last year, I've been saying that there needs to be a new word for exercise because like it really comes down to people need a certain level of activity for their health. And it doesn't mean that they need to be a fitness person. And that doesn't mean at, like somewhere along the line, uh, fitness meant athlete. <laughs> and people are aiming to be an athlete thinking that that's the epitome of health and training like athletes, but it's unnecessary. And that's how people get hurt well, a lot of the time. I just mean like, I just mean from a whole business standpoint, the fitness industry just says, fuck everything else. We're going to do what we do and we're going to market ourselves in such a way that, you know what? And this information is out there for everybody, but somehow you find yourself in a gym or somehow you find yourself with a personal yeah. trainer paying for stuff that you can get for free anywhere else. You can literally YouTube any exercise. Exactly. And when you go to a personal trainer, why are you going to a personal trainer for, I'm putting, I, I air quotes, fitness, right? But what does fitness mean to most people? It's what we talked about at the beginning. It's weight loss and toning and changing your your body composition. Like that's why people are going to a trainer. That's not necessarily why somebody would go to a kin. But I think what Mark's saying is absolutely correct. If kins can figure out a way to make people the same the same way that people are going to hire a personal yes. trainer to do something that yes. they can get on YouTube, why would you go hire a kin? Like that's where that's yes. where we have and to be you creative. Can't, you can't be dependent on a clinic to put you as that person. No, because this is people why know you rehab clinics as I'm in acute pain. I've gone to my doctor. I've gotten this referral. I got to go to this clinic. And if you want to break out of that being just rehab and acute pain and you want to be a holistic practitioner, then yes, yeah, somehow kins need to market themselves exactly. the way trainers do, but show the separation where but you don't is, have to be the fitness person exactly. or the athlete. But this is the mm -hmm. idea. If you're going to be a certain type of kinesiologist, like a movement person, because there's different types of kins that do a whole bunch of different yeah. types of things, right? You got your ergonomic specialist, you got this, you got that, you got your nutrition people, whatever the case is. If you're going to be the fucking movement people, then you have to fucking collect collectively say to each other this is how we need to dominate this market this is what we need to do and this is and where like having it. the like this a certain standard of care as well is really important and like peep there's there's so little education right out of undergrad that like coming out of your undergrad there's so much like variability in what you learn and what you can learn so that much. people aren't coming out with the same level of skill set or expertise. Other than the other than the exam that they have, which is a written exam, and I've, I haven't taken it because I got grandfathered in, which apparently is very. You can probably pass that. You could probably pass it better after your second year. I'm assuming, well, everything's still fresh in your mind. Say, in probably, other words, you, you still you learn it. all that shit within your first couple of years. Yeah, your first and second year of kin, that's where everybody is almost on the same level. Yes. Once you get into these upper years and you can, there's so much variability so is, and so many electives. So this is what I mean. This, it, this, The only standardized part of the whole thing is the exam. And the exam really reflects your early years as a kin. Like there's so not much- Not necessarily, because it's not just like biomechanics anatomy like it's like ergonomics occupational health and those aren't requirements for a kin degree okay so there's a lot of things so i haven't taken the exam so i i can't speak to fully what's on the but exam that, this is yeah, my assumption but that's, that's the point as well is that when you come out of school there's so much variability after your undergrad of what your knowledge base is and what you know and i know and i've i said this on the last episode i said this when i spoke to angela i came out of kinesiology feeling totally fucking lost hence i never became a registered kin i have this degree and i don't regret it in any way you know it's led me it's to where i am now but i didn't know what 
what the fuck to do with it. Because your undergrad degree isn't lining you up to be a registered kinesiologist. No. That's mm-hmm. not its purpose. No. Right? That's not its purpose. When you go to school to be a massage therapist, they're lining you up to, to take the license therapist. to be a registered massage therapist. When you are doing your master's in your physiotherapy program, they're lining you up to become a registered physiotherapist in right. whatever fucking province you're and at. And you still have to do but, continuing education on top of that you, to be but a my But my point with all that is it's not standardized. You can go to York and take the kin program. You can go to Waterloo and take a kin program. You can Western and take a kin program. And nothing's wrong with this. There's nothing wrong, is wrong with the variance, but the reason why it's all fucked up is because it's there's that variance there. But the also the other reason why the variance is there is because the undergrad program isn't really designed to set you up to be a registered kin. Well, exactly, because an undergrad program is an undergrad program. Exactly. Like, it's like every other undergrad. Exactly. You are... You're learning how to learn. You're learning how to critically think. And basically, it's setting you up to make decisions as a grown-up on what you want to do with your career. And it's up to you to figure that out. And I came out, as I said, and I was not a grown-up, and I didn't know how to make decisions. And (laughs) And, so I became a personal trainer. And and a kinesiologist that's in various schools that have different different things going on, it can set you up for certain things. It can set you up in coaching, right? It can set you up yeah. to become a certified coach with the, the National Coaching Certification Program, right? Where there's five levels to that kind of shit. It can set you up for that. It can set you up to be an AT, depending on what schools you go to, right? So for example, York has a program very much like Sheridan. If you are in the kinesiology program and you're in the athletic therapy, yeah, the athletic therapy stream, by the end of it, you can do your examination to become a certified athletic therapist in, in Canada, right? And you can so, also become a registered kinesiologist as an athletic therapist as well. Exactly. That's what a lot of people are doing. But this is the idea though, as a kin, when you take your undergrad as a kin, it doesn't, I feel like your kin undergrad degree, if it's not setting you up, the courses that you're taking, if they're not setting you up to do these very specific things, athletic therapy, coaching, fitness, sports administration, you're left there going, I don't know what to do. And it's actually feeling like it's setting me up more for continued academia. And that's why it's frustrating. And that's what I've been really like, like focusing on in like during the pandemic is what do I wish that I knew even going into school, like going into my undergrad, like what would my options be? Because when I go to, when you, you're you're finishing high school and you're applying for school, you're like, there's like four jobs available. Basically all Mm -hmm. the jobs that are available in the game of life. You're just like, cool. Like if I pick one of these jobs, it'll have this salary. And that's, you, you learn how to be an adult from like that game essentially. But at the same time, I never played the game of life as a child. I'm starting to understand why I was not prepared. There's a there's a wheel. Yeah, that's honestly exactly. Drive a car around the board. It's great. It's perfect. It's basically exactly like life. So like, I understand your confusion coming out of school. No, it does not change anything. But the thing is, like, there's so many different things that we can do as kids. Absolutely. And we just don't know what they are, and we don't know how to streamline Mm. our focus. This is where I don't. This is where I disagree. I don't think people don't know what they are. I think people don't know how to make it happen exactly or they're too lazy to try to make it happen that's it when yeah. you during your kindergree and you're fired up about your kindergree you probably have an idea of what you what really turns you on and if uh i don't know motor skills and developing motor skills turns you on then you know what there's something there for you if you want to be a technical coach somewhere with a given sport but you're and just sitting there I going you don't something. know what to do with it kids don't know what to do with the information and the knowledge that they have And I think that that's something that's actually a really interesting point because you actually find out in your kindergrade what you're interested in. Yes. And somewhere along the line, once you start working, 
you take the jobs that are available that you think are going to give you experience as a kid and instead give you credibility of at all. The job instead that you of want. seeing what you're interested in and actually continuing to find ways to help that group of people and be able to create things in that way. And it, there's a disconnect in terms of like what you physically can provide and how you can work with people, especially when everything's theoretical. You there's there's not as much understanding of how to work with a person. So then you come out of school and you're like, okay, I have to work with people now. Um, and there's only PTA jobs and personal training jobs available. And I have like, I scour Indeed all the time. And there's starting to be more and more stuff available that's outside of those two streams mm-hmm. of professions. And there's really like, that's why I'm so motivated to create programs and to like just seek out different people that have different needs that haven't been satisfied yes. by um, the typical uh, business models that exist in terms of healthcare because it's about managing acute injuries and illnesses. It's not about quality of life and it's exactly. not about actually listening to people. So in the beginning of like all of this, it's really just like the most eye-opening thing and about just being a kinesiologist in general is I've always had the opportunity to really learn about my patients. And even being in the physiotherapy clinic, it was such a beautiful opportunity because I got to work with so many people I would never have worked with otherwise, especially because they were mostly like motor vehicle accident patients. And I really got to see like how being there for people and feeling like I was someone that they could trust and come back to, even if they had a new pain or a re-aggravation and that we could use movement to help that and give them some more of their independence and reduce their fear and get them moving anyways, and also not have to rely solely on just releasing one muscle or getting one manipulation to uh, relieve that area and know that they have options that they can do on the on their own and what they are. Because, yeah, there's all this information out there. But Dr. Google also isn't accurate. And it also doesn't tell you what you need exactly. And sometimes you need that guidance for a couple weeks just to figure out how your body should feel doing certain things as opposed to just doing things that you think you should do because the internet told you so. I think there's a lot of people who would see the value in kins and who would utilize them more, you know, people who don't know how to move. And I know there's a lot of people who are even just to have, um, like you said, the accountability and the motivation, you know, like I'll have a client and even if we're dealing with acute pain or if it's somebody that I just see for regular maintenance and I do my manual therapy, which is incredibly passive, and then I might recommend some home care for them. I am not following up with them. I'm not doing any telehealth in between. It's basically I give them their shit. Then the next time they come in for their next appointment, we talk, you know, did you do it? And, you know, I'm going to make up a percentage. I would say 85% and plus tell me, no, I didn't. Or I tried it once. Or, oh, I forgot this, even though I gave it to them, you know, either online or whatever. Anyway, the point is that there is a lot of value in having somebody, a movement person who's going to be constantly, you know, keeping them motivated and following up with them. But as much as, you know, in the beginning, I was saying, no, Mark, you're not understanding it. I see what you're saying. And it makes sense. You 
as a kin, you need to create exactly. this whole business yeah. and start showing people that it, forget the idea of benefits, right? Just start it's, showing it's, exactly. people that you need me because you're not going to, fu- you can keep going to your massage therapist. Like the, the story you were telling me off mic, how you met someone who's been managing pain in their shoulder with a massage therapist. I mean, the massage therapist you say is a good therapist and mm-hmm. you, you see the value in that not person. not going to do what you as a kin would do. Yeah. And so to have you on that team, you know, maybe you know, being an extension of a clinic, as Mark suggested, yes. you know, having contacts, having Kairos and RMTs and whoever that have you in their Which back pocket. Which is exactly what you were saying, to where you're out. building those networks, you're yeah. building those building connections, but you're building those networks and you're building those connections, not to be there in that space. Because the clinic so owner doesn't care. The clinic owner doesn't okay. give a shit mm-hmm. because there's no benefit to me from a monetary standpoint to have you as a kin there doing kin work. I'm starting to right? see your super aggressive point. Thank you're welcome. you. Right? It's, it's <laughs> about it's about the therapist mm-hmm. who is not going to do the things that you would do and recognizing that this patient really kind of can benefit from this stuff really needs it i know where you can go you can go here and also at the same time it's really important i like i like i want to i want to use some of your words right now why do they need to fucking care why and that's really what it comes down to with marketing with healthcare with behavior change why should people care why and mark asks really good questions and like i also like have to make sure that i'm in like you know an emotionally stable place to come here and do a podcast (laughs) with you which is very important um so like i do my my self-care i can't meditate well i can i just don't um (laughs) i live with him i know but like the thing is, is you guys have different perspectives. So like it's basically I just imagine it's like a daily podcast in your house. But it kind of <laughs> I think it's important to identify that the what it really comes down to is who fucking cares and who are you trying to talk to? Are you trying to convince someone to hire you so that you can maybe like help their patients and they don't really see the reason why they should change their business model? Or are you talking to the individual that has tried to exercise before and you're trying to sell them exercise and that doesn't work for them and they already have a negative relationship to that? But what it really comes down to is why should they fucking care? Why do they trust you? And it really comes down to why are you the person that they need to see and how are you going to help them bridge that gap? This and is what you're going to do. You are going to open a clinic. Uh, somebody needs to open a clinic. A kid needs to open a clinic. There run are. by yes. There are kin yes. clinics. That's what needs to happen is there needs that to be needs kin. To be a, there needs to be a that lot That needs more to be the norm. Exactly. Kin run clinics where the goal is to have more of this holistic approach, this movement approach, where there are manual therapists because guess what? You guys don't want to fucking do the manual work. That's not that's not what you're there it's for. It's not right? wheelhouse. Have manual therapists. Okay, you, you need to go see that Cairo. You, you need to go see the massage therapist. But you're primary care is going to be with this kin that you guys taking the power is the only way I think this business model and this this patient centered approach is going to really work because mm-hmm. yeah in rehab guys, clinics they just want to pump them out and kins can take that power way easier than a whole bunch of other therapists because one there is nothing set in stone that this is how kins are going to operate because now you're just kins you're, can do whatever the fuck they want you, <laughs> Kins are in the best position. You can create the fucking landscape you want to have because there are no real preconceived notions about what a kin does. Yeah, because we're all basically shrouded in mystery. Like, I'm going to have a cape because that's what I want to do. It's going to be great. I tell people all (laughs) the time. This clinic's getting weird. (laughs) 
it's great. I'm the superhero that nobody wants, but everybody needs. It's okay. Like no one wants to move when they're in pain, but at the same time, I know the secrets that you need to make it easier for them to move while you're in pain. And on, so, and on top of all that, the general public doesn't have the same idea of what is going, doesn't have the same expectations as they do with a physio or a chiro or a massage therapist or whatever, which puts kids in the best fucking place ever. You literally can do anything you want and not have the public expect a certain thing that, that you're not going to deliver That wasn't a kinesiology on. treatment. That wasn't a exactly, massage. Yeah. Exactly. Right? I go to my chiro. Guess what? I'm expecting that I'm going to get adjusted. I'm going to get adjusted i'm going to get adjusted like it's I, true I i've, I've definitely gone to kairos where they're probably what they're doing is probably fucking fantastic but i have an expectation in my mind of the type of adjustment i want and when i go to a new Cairo and they don't adjust my neck and they start doing soft tissue work and they start giving me exercise and they start even though it's probably effective i'm like um i got my hello. massage therapist for that and i got my physio for that so no like, thanks i, I wanted an adjustment i came here for what i was expecting which is an adjustment yeah. so kids don't have all that stuff and and that stuff is negative shit. They don't even have to deal with that negative shit. The negative shit that they have to deal with, the preconceived notions, actually come from other therapists, other other therapists in the industry. It's the physios that think this is what you do. It's the chiros thinking this is what you do. It's the doctors not even knowing what you do. It's not the general <laughs> public, your clients, your potential clients, your potential customers that come in with these ideas. And it's also you about guys are in a why do they spot. fucking care? Why should they care about what you do? It's not even about this is what we think you do. It's uh, we don't care what you do so yes and that's why i make people care what so i do you are so. <laughs> you are in the best spot now what yeah. you need is the community of kinesiologists to decide this is the message we are going to put forward and the we good, are all the good news to... is the kins fight a lot less i'm in a couple of the online kin groups with you guys i'm always a silent observer i was allowed in because i have a kin degree even though i'm not a registered kinesiologist but i'm in a couple of kinesiology groups you guys all seem to communicate much more effectively and you are you know bouncing ideas off each other i like the online kin community so far from what i can see whereas the online massage community we all we all do things so differently that everybody's at each other's <laughs> well, that's why it's I think different. it's a really it's a interesting opportunity because now we have a really unique opportunity to, to create our own standard and our own standard of care, yes. which is yeah. really important. And that's something I'm really motivated to do is I talk to so many students coming out of school being like, what can I do? And I like this, but I don't know if that's something I can do. And I'm like, it absolutely is. And here's how. And especially when you haven't been in the workforce and you don't know how to actually like where to go or have any connections and you're kind of like a baby fawn that's like learning to walk. And like, I feel like that like at least like once a month, maybe. So like <laughs> we they there's no direction necessarily right out of school unless you have aligned yourself with the right mentors right yeah. away to be able to see where should I go? And then students end up going to these jobs because it's the only option. They don't have anyone telling them any different. Well, let's and tell then, them right now. You don't have to fucking do that. You don't. don't you do don't it. do it. Do it if you want, but well, I want better for you. It's want, at, at the I same time, I, I think that there's val there's, there is value in getting that experience, as I said before, to figure out where the holes are and what you don't want to do. It's like the Garden of Eden. Yeah, but I can also get that experience from hanging out with a physio connection that I've made through networking once a week you know what I mean? For three months. So I'm giving up, what, 12 times to go hang out for an hour with this physio and learn a little bit from them versus I'm going to go there for 40 hours a week and make $14 to get my experience. Fuck that. No, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to work on my own shit. And if I really want to figure out what other people do, I'm going to do what you did. I'm mm -hmm. just going to get in their face 
and make sure that they become my friends and I'm going to go hang out with them. <laughs> I have and I'm so go- many internet friends now. I just message people on Instagram that I respect and I'm like, I like what you're doing. Want to talk about it? Exactly. And they're like, wait, who are you? And I'm like, it doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter. And they're like, okay. And I just talk fast enough Exa- well, that they just get confused. <laughs> no. And then they're just like, wait, what did I say? What? You don't okay. even, you know what? You don't even need to talk fast because anyone that's in, in the social media, anything, people on social media, they're actually, I'm surprised how social you actually are. You're either on social media for two things. One, to be really, really private and share stuff with your friends and your family and everyone else that lives across a great pond somewhere that you're related to. Or two, you're actually on it to be social. Well, it's funny because I don't have a professional profile and I know I've said this so many times on episodes. So normally when colleagues uh, request me for the longest time, I would just leave people hanging and I wouldn't accept them. And more recently, I've started accepting people that I'm like, okay, I feel like I know you enough. You know, we've met in person. And it was funny because when you sent me a friend request, I looked at Mark and I'm like, I'm conflicted. We've met in person, but my policy is not to add colleagues. What do I do? And you know what he said? He's like, Jamie's going to force her way to be your friend. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is So fine. we're friends now. <laughs> Which is great. I'm so glad that like it's gotten to the point where I don't have to wear you down. I literally have other people that get it that yes. are just like, don't <laughs> resist it because it's going to happen. And she does it in a very delightful way because I'm a strong, independent woman and not a bully. But this is what everyone needs to do. Yes. I want to learn about how your clinic operates and how you deal with patients and clients, Mr. Physio. But I want to do it without getting paid shit and being shit on in your clinic. I don't want to get that experience in that manner. I'm going to get the experience the way you are getting that experience. And then in the meantime, I'm going to go make my shit happen for myself. But you also can't say it that way because then no one's going to want to talk to you. That's why Mark works alone. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is it, it really has comes down to it's not about just having getting experience at all or working with anybody. It's about finding the right mentors. And yes. that's why I'm just like, I always talk to people all the time, whether they know they need to talk to me or not. They always do. But like... I always have the opportunity to talk to so many students or other colleagues. And my main goal is always, I want to build you up. I want to build you up to know that you have value and show what your purpose is because chances are there's so much you can do and you just are numb to the fact that you actually are your own independent person that you haven't done anything with it yet. And that's really the hardest part too because sometimes even just being objective yourself is challenging because you have so many interests and so many things that you think are a priority, but you also have to factor in what do people care about? Why should they fucking care? Mm -hmm. And that's not always the reason that you think it is. Oh, for sure. It's usually not. It's usually like you think it's one thing and they're like, it's actually X, Y, and Z and like here's the story behind it. And that's why their stories are so important and really listening and learning from people and learning from people in the industry as well because we all have stories about not only ourselves, or of how we've worked in clinics or been treated by different types of practitioners or different people that have affected our confidence, but also being able to talk to different people about their professional experiences and seeing a lot of the similarities. And the more we identify those similarities, the more we can do about it. And that's the end of my TED Talk. I dig it. No. <laughs> I dig it. I like the TED Talk. Thank now, you. This was good because we came in here with, you know, you have advice for clinics and I was totally like on board. Not that I disagree with you. I think that there needs to be more clinics that do function this way. But Mark, you have you have opened my eyes today. The <laughs> clinics, the clinics that already exist, these it physio clinics, they're not the people. It's no. the kins have to create this 
relationship yeah, bubble. They've, we they've have to create our it. value. And that's the thing is that exactly. we need to, we can't just be kins and think that that's enough. And no, we need not. to, we need to create, we have the opportunity to create our brands and create our, you know, our value and our stamp in this world. And there's so much variability in what we do that we have the opportunity to do that. Yes. So basically don't be like fucking scared. Exactly. Well, like you can be scared because you're a human say, being and a yeah, person. You're talking to people right now. Don't be I'm, fucking scared. What I'm, what I'm saying by coming from the business owner that's already done it and teaches business. Don't what, be fucking scared. What I'm saying about don't be fucking scared is you probably have really good ideas. You probably have really good work ethic. You just need to sit down and fucking make it happen. That's yeah. what I mean by don't be scared. Don't be scared to take that fucking step. You two sitting in this room, by the way, yes. I have, I mean, I know, Mark, you're already headed in this direction, but Jamie, you too, you guys have the opportunity because you understand the profession. You understand where the holes are. You guys need to be fucking coaching other kins and helping people make it happen because not everybody has this entrepreneurial mindset like you guys do. This doesn't exist. And that's why kins are taking PTA jobs. So okay, you, two, you two need yeah, to fucking change the Air landscape of kinesiology yes you heard it here first <laughs> new business partnership i'm out i'm not a kin goodbye <laughs> <laughs> but but you keep us calm and you translate the things that are in my mind into like simpler simpler terms so we need you it's fine <laughs> most, i do most people do need me I, I, I like that you recognize that thank you like it's it's a subtle <laughs> it's a subtle modesty that's like kind of like backhanded in a way we're like i'm just gonna step out little like you know um, I'm self-deprecating leave. I'm humor. So you guys beg me to come back. Yep, got it. <laughs> it's all about feeling validated. Um, but at the same time, like that's why I always really enjoy talking to Mark. Anyways, is because we're both very passionate people, and a lot of the time we have the same thought process, but the actual words that come out of our mouths are missing the points that the other person is making. So I can only say so much stuff and reflect that. Um, and it's nice when he's like, here, I'm filling in the blanks <laughs> in a very aggressive way. And I try to was be as friendly a little bit. Yeah. You get very passionate. It's Sorry. okay. It's not It's not aggressive. It's passionate. It's like how I'm not a bully. I'm an independent it, woman. It depends. <laughs> you're, depends on you're passionate. The, it depends on the day. Uh, based on the week we've had, I was expecting this to be a heated discussion. What because, do you mean? Mark, I've known you for 13 years. And you were like a a firecracker and it was just burning 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 but at some point you were going to explode this week and i knew it was going to be today this wasn't an explosion this wasn't really i feel like it was was well managed it was not an explosion i just mean i knew you were going to be into this discussion today because you've been slowly burning all but that's how he was last time i just want i just because kins are just so capable of doing so much more i don't know just he's a kin papa bear okay just just do it at this he's a kin papa bear he's just watching all of his children being like you i know you can do better and i'm frustrated just sitting here watching but not only that this but this is the difference between me being kin pop or whatever the case is i'll be aggressive on it and i'm like make moves make them now make them fast do it go just fucking do it do it do it do it do it do it the speed in the day-to-day is so fucking important get shit done you got something in your head put it down make it happen go for it get it girl exactly and if it doesn't work fine then you at least figured it out that it doesn't work you didn't mm-hmm. sit on it for fucking 12 months a year a year and a half this is what i want to do this is what i plan on doing blah blah blah. make no moves and when you finally make moves it's two years later and you realize that was no good and mm-hmm. you just wasted two years of your fucking life and that's why it's interesting now to be able to experiment where we're at like being able to take what we know and be able to use it in different po- formats with different types of people and seeing the types of people that are actually attracted to us like on our own because we don't have those physical spaces to find. 
you two now as a we're partnership would attract everyone. You're good cop, bad cop over here. It's fantastic. I don't know. Too old for this shit. You're too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best cop movies ever. Every, everybody's a rainbow. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's interesting, and that's why I always like being here because it's never what I expect, and it's never. So, I don't come in here saying like I have a good business model. I think clinics should do this. It's here's the value of what I think kins can do, and how we if we have a right business model or we understand how to um, create something that is a value that can create value for a clinic, then that would be something that would be in addition to what you do. But it's not shouldn't be your whole thing and then also on top of that it's not just saying this is why they should accept kins and that's it it's kins need to be able to sell themselves that they are being valued in the way that they deserve and respect and that's all i've been getting at anyways yeah but i like that like you just never let me go with the the term the way i said it isn't the way you wanted me to (laughs) so now i'm trying to to correct for that (laughs) so i'm just like hey i was i thought i was saying that i thought i was i wasn't build you up (laughs) i know i need it though it's always a very it's a very humbling moment being here that's why i do this i put myself in this position just so i can like really be confronted with what needs to change then I give Mark the opportunity to really shout from the rooftops or from this office to kinesiologists everywhere saying you can do better I believe in you but fucking do it don't just wait around for opportunities yes. because that's really what I it's about and that's the perfect takeaway message there yeah. yes. perfect yes because it is one of the one of the few fucking healthcare fields that you have your hand in everything you've got your hands in nutrition you've got your hands in movement you've got your hands in fitness you've got your hands in rehabilitation you got your hands all over the fucking place every jar you're running out of hands you can use your feet now every fucking jar you've got something in so many hands right so many hands so this you you guys are gold i just don't get it go make shit happen. she's gonna make shit happen jamie can you sing us out (laughs) the karaoke queen is back i have to think of a song again it's always like i'm like yeah i sing all the time on the street anyways but i'm just like what's the most yelly what was the what was the what were what was the third song you sang in your car on your way here oh chandelier by sia go for it oh that's a good one party girls don't get hurt can't lose anything when will i learn i push it down i push it down I'm the one for a good time call phones blowing up, ringing my doorbell. I feel the love. I feel the love. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. One, two, three, one, two, three, drink. Thrown back till I lose count. I'm gonna swing from the chandelier, from the chandelier. I'm gonna live like tomorrow doesn't exist, like it doesn't exist. It's such a different experience having the monitors and actually hearing her versus <laughs> when we were just in the room. Thank you. That was beautiful. And thank, thank you for you. Um, inviting yourself back on the couch. You know, I'm <laughs> kidding. I We always like having you here. You You're not. I did. I did invite. I invite myself <laughs> everywhere. I'm just like, I'm going to be your friend now. And people are just like, wait, what? And then now I have like, I can give you names of people to be like, yeah, she did that. I'm going to give you a, a thank you for the 
the owners of the publishing for that song and the songwriters for that song because you just made them some money. Yeah. <laughs> Every time this is downloaded, they're going to get fucking two extra pennies. All right. <laughs> two pennies. They, they, that shit Before up. you actually do sign off the episode, just in case nobody, um, anybody listening hadn't, uh, hadn't heard me at the beginning when I called you the movement maven, if people do want to reach out and want to force themselves into your life, how do they do it? You're more than welcome to, uh, with respect and boundaries and consent. It's called being an independent woman. Um, <laughs> say it that's, with me. That's going to um, be the, the title of this episode, by the way. Independent the independent woman. woman. Yeah. I'm not a bully. I'm an independent woman. <laughs> um, awesome. I should have done Whitney Houston or instead. Um, but... No, yeah. it would have been too predictable. That's true. I'm yeah. not really predictable, except that I am, but like in a confusing way. It's great. Um, I am. Is that a Shaka Khan song anyway? Not Whitney Houston? Yes, it is. I'm Every Woman. That's Shaka yeah. Khan. I'm yeah. Every Woman. As a matter of fact, it's if, you ever, <laughs> if you ever if you ever, hear the late Prince talk about that, because Prince is really, he's really against a lot of people doing covers. And if you ever heard him in an interview talking about Whitney Houston doing that song, he's like, Chaka mad. He's like, what? Chaka mad. Chaka didn't want that. Chaka mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, if you still want to connect with me yes. after this whole episode, because we've been through a lot emotionally together, and I feel like we've all grown as people, I hope. Um, but if you want to get in contact with me, um, you can mad. find me um, at www.themovementmaven.com or find me on Instagram at themovementmaven. Wonderful. All right, all right, all right. It's been cool. Thanks for coming back. I like this. Thank you. I'm always here to chat. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace. <laughs>